Well, today we continue our series from the Old Testament and return to the book of Job. Last week, you recall that we examined the sufferings of Job. The Sabaeans and Chaldeans attacked and took his possessions. And then after that, there was a great storm, the Bible says, and his children were killed. After that, the Scripture tells us that Satan, with the permission of God, inflicted boils upon Job, and he lost his health. The Scripture says, then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. So as we were looking last week, Job went through a lot. He lost his possessions. He lost his children. He lost his health. He lost everything that he had. When that happened, then his friends came to comfort him. However, Job was not comforted by his friends. In fact, he thought they were not very effective at all. He said, sorry comforters are you all. So his comforters or his friends came to comfort, but Job said, you are all sorry comforters. Now, when we look at what they said, we can understand because Eliphaz said to Job, during this time of suffering in his life, if there is no sin in your life, then you don't have to worry about anything. Everything is going to be all right. Eliphaz said, remember now. Whoever perished being innocent, or where were the upright destroyed? There, there is still that theology, that doctrine with us today. If one is right with God, then you don't have to be concerned about these things. Everything is going to be okay. Then there was Bildad, who also was one of the comforting friends of Job, who concluded there must be sin in his life. The Bible says, if you are pure and upright, surely now, he would rouse himself for you and restore your righteous estate. So Bildad then said, if there's no sin in your life, then you would not be going through this. Zophar, another comforting friend, said no one can know why these things happen. He said, can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? They are as high as the heavens. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? So here are the friends then of Job during this time of suffering in his life. One of them saying to him, Job, if there is no sin in your life, then you don't have to worry. And others saying there must be sin in your life. And then the third saying, well, no one really knows why these things happen. In our text today, Job is responding to Zophar. So take your Bibles, turn with me to Job chapter 14, beginning in verse number 1. Man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Like a flower, he comes forth and withers. He also flees like a shadow and does not remain. Thou also dost open thine eyes on him and bring him into judgment with thyself. Who can make the clean out of the unclean? No one. Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with thee. And his limits thou hast set so that he cannot pass. Turn thy gaze from him that he may rest until he fulfills his days like a hired man. 
For there is hope for a tree when it is cut down, that it will sprout again and its shoots will not fail. Though its roots grow old in the ground and its stump dies in the dry soil, at the scent of water it will flourish and put forth sprigs like a plant. But man dies and lies prostrate. Man expires, and where is he? As water evaporates from the sea and a river becomes parched and dried up, so man lies down and does not rise until the heavens be no more. He will not awake nor be aroused out of his sleep. Oh, that thou wouldst hide me and shield, that thou wouldst conceal me until thy wrath returns to thee, that thou wouldst set a limit for me and remember me. If a man dies... Will he live again? All the days of my struggle, I will wait until my change comes. Well, there are several things I want you to see with me in this passage of Scripture. The first being, Job says that life is short. I remember some years ago watching an interview with Billy Graham, and he was asked the question, what is the great surprise of life for you? And he replied, how short it is. Well, Job would agree with that conclusion. There in verse 1, he says, Man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Our lives are short. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if we were to live to be a hundred years old, comparatively speaking, that is a short period of time. And so that's what Job is saying here. Life is short. He says it's like a flower. There in verse number 2, like a flower, he comes forth and withers. The flowers that we were enjoying just a few weeks ago are gone now. They have withered. Linda was out in her garden plucking the tops off of them because they have withered. They are no longer blooming. And that's what Job says about life. Life is like that. He says it's like a flower that comes out and blooms and, and then it withers. He says it's like a shadow. He goes on in verse number 2, He also flees like a shadow and does not remain. Matthew Henry wrote, Man flees as a shadow and never continues in one stay and one shape, but the fashion of it passes away, so does this world and our life in it. See, Job is talking about our lives here, and he says that life is short. It is like a flower that withers. It is like a shadow that is gone. And he says not only that, it is full of turmoil. The word turmoil that is used there means agitation, trouble, trembling. So as Job is describing life, and we understand because of the suffering he was enduring, he said life is short and it is full of turmoil. There is great trouble, great agitation in life. But is it not true with you as it is with me that the deepest lessons I learn in life are those that I learn during times of difficulty? I really don't learn much during times of prosperity, but I learn quite a bit during times of uh, turmoil because those times I am seeking for answers. For instance, it is times of turmoil, times of, uh, times of trouble in our life that we have the tendency to understand the value of discipline in our lives. The Bible says in Hebrews 12:11, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful, 
Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So the writer of Hebrews then is saying that when we are going through these troubling times in our life, it is then that we learn the value of discipline. And that discipline produces what within us? Righteousness. I I know that was true when I was a boy growing up and my dad disciplined me. It produced righteousness within me. Now, it was short-lived. But for a short period of time, it produced a certain amount of righteousness in me. So it is when we are going through these times that we understand the value of discipline. It also teaches us trust. I have mentioned to you on numerous occasions about when God called Linda and me into ministry and we took the first little part-time church. And those were really tough days for us financially. Um, But it was there that I really learned to trust the Lord. It it was during those times that I learned that God provided. Now, He usually didn't provide when I wanted Him to. He provided in the nick of time. But I learned back then that I could trust the Lord. It, It is during such times that we learn dependence. I remember going through that time of of struggle. I happened to read a book by Oral Roberts that helped me with that issue because he said that when he was going through a difficult time financially, he learned then that God was the source of his supply, not the church that he was pastoring that could not afford the needs that he had. You see, when we go through these times in life, we fret and and, uh, we carry on and complain and, and so forth. But it is during those times, and that's understandable, Job does that. But it is during those times that we learn so much. We also learn to comfort during those times. When you're going through some tough issue in life, Would you not rather be comforted by someone who has also gone through that tough issue in life? See, it is when we experience such things that we are better able to be a blessing to someone who is going through those. So, Job now is speaking about life, and it's his conclusion that life is short and it's full of turmoil. Then he said life is determined in verse number 5. Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with thee, and his limits thou hast set so that he cannot pass. Now, as I look at that, Job gives three thoughts for us. First of all, that life will end, which the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and that no one is exempt from that. If the Lord tarries, we all are going to experience death. For instance, Abraham was the father of the Jews, but the Bible says that he died. The Scripture says in Genesis 25, 8, And Abraham breathed his last and died in a ripe old age, an old man satisfied with life, and he was gathered to his people. So Abraham then is the father of the Jewish people, but the Bible says that he died. And then Isaac was the son of Abraham, and the Bible says that he died. Genesis 35, 9, And Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, an old man of ripe age. Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, died. 
Acts 7.15 says, And Jacob went down to Egypt, and there passed away he and our fathers. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to die. I remember when my grandparents died. And you know, isn't it interesting with us that whenever you have several layers before you, you think that you're okay, but they're... My grandparents died. They are all gone. I remember that. But, well, but my parents were still there. And then my parents died, my mother and father. And guess who's next? <laughs> we are going to die. Folks, we, we can have all the plastic surgery we can afford. But it's like putting a new coat of paint in a 1975 Mercury. We are still going to die. And, and that's what he is saying here, that, that life will end. Uh, I'm beginning to think it's genetic. You know, my grandparents, my parents, and then me. He says our days are numbered. There in verse number 5, the number of his months is with thee. The number of his months is with thee. What does that mean? Well, I suppose that it means uh, when people say, well, when is my time to go, I'll go. Only problem with that, sometimes I'm, I'm, I wonder, in fact, I do almost every time, I get on an airplane, I think, what if it's the pilot's time to go? There is further explanation in Psalm 90, verse 10, as for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Well, I was talking with Eric, my son, about this, and, you know, that what Job says here and what the psalmist says, that we have 70 to 80 years. And I said, you know, how does that all work out? He said, well, maybe it is a general statement rather than a specific statement. I said, well, what does that mean? He said, well, generally, that would be true, that we generally live between 70 and 80 years. In fact, the average lifespan for an American is 78.4 years. That, that is the average lifespan, 78.4. So generally, that would be true, somewhere between 78. Specifically, we know that there are some who die at birth, they die in childhood, and then we know some who celebrate their 90th birthday. So generally it is true. We die between 70, we have 70 to 80 years, though there are exceptions specifically to that. But man's days generally are 70 to 80 years, he says. Then we can't pass it, he says in verse 5c, and his limits thou hast set so that he cannot pass. Now I think what happens here is that as Job is contemplating this, life is short. His months are determined. Then he begins to appeal to God for his mercy. He says, first of all, you know, God, since this is all true, you ought not be so strict. Look at verse number 3. Thou also dost open thine eyes on him and bring him into judgment with thyself. Matthew Henry commented, since I have such a corrupt nature within and am liable to do so much trouble which is a constant temptation from without, dost thou open thy eyes and fasten them upon such a one extremely to mark what I do amiss? 
God, you know all this about me, so why are you looking at me so closely? And he says, I don't have a chance. Look at verse number 4. Who can make the clean out of the unclean? No one. Lord, this is the way that I am. Well, if this is the way that I am and I can't change, then why do you hold me accountable? You've thought of that, haven't you? I know you have. If I am this way and I can't change anyway and I have all these temptations from within and without, then why do you hold me accountable? And he says, so God, maybe you ought not be so severe. Verse number 6. Turn thy gaze from him that he may rest until he fulfills his day like a hired man. In other words, he's saying, God, just don't look at me so closely. Why don't you just leave me alone because there's not anything I can do about this. I have this situation. There's not anything I can change. So uh, just don't look at me so closely. So he says, life is determined. It will end. Our days are numbered and we can't pass. And then life is a mystery. There are three questions of Job that I want us to look at. The first is, when all these things, now consider he is going through a time of suffering. He is facing death, all of this. And so he asks three questions. The first question is, where is God? In Job chapter 23, verse 3, he said, Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. Job said, I would like to be able to find God because I want to argue with him about these things. When difficulties come in our life, don't you normally want to know where is God? God, where are you in all this? When I'm facing these struggles in life, I'm facing disease, I'm facing financial difficulty, I'm facing whatever it is that I'm facing, God... Where are you in all this? You know what I believe? I believe that if you honestly, if you truly want to find God, you will. He's not hiding. I believe when one really wants to find God, one will. In fact, I looked through the Scripture, and after Adam and Eve sinned, they found God in the garden. The Bible says in Genesis 3, 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, I don't know that they wanted to find God. Apparently they didn't because they were hiding from God, but there He was. They were in the garden, and there was the Lord. The Hebrews found God in the tabernacle on the Holy of Holies. Exodus 26:34, And you shall put the mercy seat on the ark of the testimony in the Holy of Holies. So there he was in the tabernacle. He was also in Solomon's temple because the Bible says in Psalm 1, uh, 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 4, The Lord is in his holy temple. Are you looking for God? Folks, the fact is, oftentimes we are not looking for God, therefore we don't find him and we complain, God, where are you? He was in the garden. He was in the tabernacle. He was in the temple. He is in Christ. The Scripture says in, in John fourteen nine, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus said that if you want to see God the Father, then look at me because He is in me. Jesus was God incarnate. He was God in the flesh. So if you want to see God, then you look at Jesus. We also see God in those people who know Him. The Scripture says in John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, 
He will keep my word and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. Oftentimes, I look at you and see the Lord. Because the Lord is in you. I look at my wife many times and see the Lord. My children see the Lord. Because the Lord is in His people. Folks, that's what the Scripture says, that when we invite Jesus Christ into our heart, He comes to take up residence in our lives. And I look at some of you, and I see the presence of God. If you're looking for the Lord, you will find Him. I remember John Bassanio telling me once about a, a, a man whose son had been tragically killed and, and uh, the, the, the funeral was being held. And he said to the pastor afterwards, where was God when my son died? And the pastor said he was in the same place he was when his son died. You see, folks, if, if we're going through times of difficulty in our life, we cry, God, where are you? And if you really want to find the Lord, you will. He was in the garden. He was in the tabernacle. He was in the temple. He is in Christ and He is in the people of God. If you look for Him, you will find Him. The second question is, well, where is man? Verse number 10. But man dies and lies prostrate. Man expires and and where is he? What happens to our loved ones when they die? When they leave this life, what happens to them? Well, we know that in life that they are wasting away, that our bodies are deteriorating. Matthew Henry said, sickness and old age are wasting things to the flesh, the strength, the beauty. We know that in this life that our bodies are deteriorating. And then the Scripture says in death that we return to dust. Psalm 104.29 says, Thou dost take away their spirit, they expire and return to their dust. So, we know then that in this body, in this life, that our bodies are deteriorating. When we die, our bodies return to dust. But where is the person when they die? And Job had two analogies here. First of all, of a tree in verse 7. For there's hope for a tree when it's cut down that it will sprout again and its shoots will not fail, though its roots grow old in the ground and its stump dies in the dry soil at the scent of water, it will flourish and put forth sprigs like a plant. But man dies and lies prostrate. Man expires and, and where is he? Job said there, there's hope for a tree. You cut it down, but life is still in it. Last year I cut this little sapling, this little tree down there by my house and, and uh, you know, it's gone. This year I had to cut it down again. It's back. Well, that, that's what Job is saying. He says that in a tree, I understand that you can cut it down, but there's still life there. And when water comes, it sprouts again. And then he says, he compares it to water in verse number 11. As water evaporates from the sea and a river becomes parched and dried up, so man lies down and does not rise until the heavens be no more. He will not awake nor be aroused out of his sleep. When water evaporates, where does it go? Where does it go? 
James wrote in chapter 4, verse 14, You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. So that's what Job is saying about life. He says, Now, I understand that a, that a tree, you can cut it down, but whenever it, the, the roots are still there and it comes back when there's water, he says, But water, it evaporates. Where does it go? He said, That's the way it is with man. Where does he go? And so that brings him to the third question, the real question in verse 14. If a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my struggle, I will wait until my change comes. This seems to be the real question of Job. If a man dies, will he live again? I understand about the tree, and then there's the water vapor. I don't know where it goes. But what about man? If he, if he dies, will he live again? And he seems to anticipate a change, he says there, when my change comes. Jesus gives some explanation of this, I think, in John chapter 14 when he is speaking to his disciples about his impending death. Jesus was about to die. He spoke to his disciples. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Well, that was hard for the disciples because Jesus is going to die. It was hard for Job and it's hard for us. Whenever our loved ones are facing death, that's tough. But Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled because of the promise that he makes following that. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. You see, here's what the Scripture says about the believer who dies that we go to a place. And the Bible says that place is what we call heaven. So it's not that when we no longer breathe on this earth that we are gone, that we are eradicated. The Bible says that we go to heaven. And it is a prepared place, a place that Jesus prepared. He has prepared a place for you. So how do we conclude Job's question? He says God calls us in verse 15, Thou will call and... I will answer thee. God calls us to death whenever that time is. Seventy, eighty, before, after. God calls us to death. But for those who know Jesus Christ, He calls us to eternal life. Well, what can we expect? If we die, or when we die, we are going to die if the Lord tarries. So what can we expect? Well, we're going to be changed, it says in verse 15, uh, 14b, until my change comes. There is a change that takes place when we die. Paul speaks of that change in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory. So the Bible says that whenever the believer dies, that we are going to be changed, that we're going to receive a glorified body. See, I, I, I don't think that when we die, we just become a little spiritual vapor up there. I mean, that used to concern me, that, that whenever we die, there's just a little vapor up there. But we're going to have a body, and I believe that our body will be like the, the glorified body of the Lord Jesus. I think that's the kind of body that we are going to have. There's going to be a change. And we're going to have a new body, and the Bible says that in this changed condition, that we are free from tears, we are free from sickness, we are free from death. There is no more death, no more night, 
because the former things have passed away and He has given us a new life. We sing the song, and I believe it more and more as time goes on. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. One look at His dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Folks, we go through difficulties in this life, and that's what Job is saying. But bravely run the race because one day it is going to be worth it all. One day your call will come. My call will come. Whenever that is, there is coming a time when God is going to say, come home. This life is ended. Let me ask you a question. Are you ready to stand before God? If he were to call you today, are you ready to stand before him? You can be. The Bible says that if we put our faith in Jesus Christ and trust him as our Lord and Savior, repenting of sin, he forgives us our sin and we become his child. And he has then prepared you a place. One day your call will come. I pray that you're ready. Our Father in God, as we contemplate the fact of our impending death, that our bodies are deteriorating, that they will turn to dust, that we will stand before you, I pray, Father, that we might be ready to face you. Lord, for those who are without Christ, please save them today. Please bring them to Jesus. Father, for Christians, I pray that we will live our lives in a way not to cause others to stumble. But, Lord, they will want to know Jesus because they see Jesus reflected in us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with me, please, as we stand together. The choir is going to sing a hymn of invitation. An opportunity for you to say yes to God. If you've never been saved, commit your life to Him today. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. You come as they sing, I'll greet you as you do.